This is the Truth of the Matter Is podcast, episode number 48. I'm your host, Daniel, and I'm here with Jonathan. First off, let us begin by recognizing and appreciating all of our new and consistent listeners. We thank you all in advance for continuing to press play at your own convenience. And without further ado, I'd like to bring the man himself in. Mr. Jonathan, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm in. You brought me in. Yeah, so, you know, I'm doing fine as usual. And oh, would you look at that. We have the end of one month and to start a new one. Right? We're moving from April into May. Another thing is... We were supposed to be entering the season of spring, which is supposed to produce weather, you know, lots of rain, followed by smooth breezes and the degrees of 65 through 75. But climate change, you know, has had a different perspective, at least to what I'm seeing, right? It's been well, chilly. You can't say that because some people don't believe me. <laughs> I think it's something we got to consider, but I think what's been going on is it's been chilly out there, right? 50s as of late, and it's been bugging me out. And it's actually been catching me off guard. But I have to say, yesterday was nice out and everybody was outside. I swear, it almost felt like it was swarmed of people that I haven't seen in a long time. And the good news is there are some people, well, most people I can say, I can testify to, that aren't wearing masks anymore, right? I believe that's that law was laid down that you can remove your mask in public places you can remove your mask if you're traveling on the airplane i think the only set of people that's still upholding that will happen to be you know people within the business circle right they still want to protect their own they still want people to follow the laws and regulations within the business for the protection of the health there but guess what if you're outside if you're at a restaurant they no longer asking for your COVID cards and you're free to do whatever you like now. Does that scare you at all? I mean, I still wear the mask. I think it's one of those things where I'm very, com- I've always been comfortable wearing it. It's never been a, a big deal or a bother to me. So I personally like wearing the mask. I preferred not uh, seeing everybody's face. Fully, I don't know why, <laughs> but I, I enjoy quite frankly wearing the mask. So until you know, I'll give it another year or two, I will probably be keeping my eyes on in public. Okay. The only thing is, I've been wearing these masks that really cover your face. I don't like the little cheap mask that they have for some reason. I don't feel safe and the medical mask versus the KN95. Yeah, I like the K95. I really I do. I prefer the medical one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. Glad we got that out the way. You know, the weather has been up and down. You know, it's funny uh, talking with somebody during the week. Okay. When we were talking about uh, the weather in itself, he was like, yeah, it's kind of like some of the months are trading places with each other. So she pointed out to me that it's like April has changed place with May. So it will probably not, it probably won't start getting hot until like the end of June. So like, June will be what May is supposed to be. 
and May is going to be what April is supposed to be. Mm. Okay. Yeah, and I've I've kind of noticed that last year as well, where it's like May was the rainy season versus April, but April is my favorite month. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Moving forward, though. Uh, what do you have in store for us today? Well, today is going to be an interesting day, right? Now, I know I say that all the time, but I think today will be an interesting one. Because after studying the scriptures for this week, I was amazed in study yet again. First off, all glory, honor, and praise goes to Jesus Christ, right? And in the scripture, in my opinion, you know, he answers the call, right? I'm speaking about what we're going to be talking about today, that he answered the call when it comes to people needing to see what a leader does, right? Instead of the typical king who rules from a distance, right? From afar, Jesus, who is a king, right? Was on the ground being what I would call a PAP. Okay, what does a PAP stand for? Well, I'm glad you asked. A PAP is easy. It's, it's personable. He was personable. He was active. He was present. I'll say it one so more time for the people. So this is something you just made on this one. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, you can't help but that when you read in scripture that he's being personable, he's being active, and he's being present. So I made an acronym up because that's something that I'm seeing, and that's something that I have to say that I don't see often occur with leadership, right? And we're going to get into that a little bit, but I think that Jesus scored some points there for me personally. And I think every time you reflect and you think about, you know, who our God is and how personable he is, right? You see that our Savior, our God, you know, can empathize and understand us on a personal level. And I and I feel like that's one of the most important things when it comes to relationship, right? You want to make sure the person that you're in relationship with understands you, has been through some of the things you've been through, and therefore they're just not telling you good, hopeful, inspirational things, but they also can side with being a participant and going through the same experience that you've gone through, and that's what makes it more of a reasonable relationship to have with someone who's been there and done that. Cool? Clarity? Cool. All clear. All right. So on that note, let's get into some prayer. And then right after that, let's dive into the scripture, the text for today. So Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we, we thank you for being present in our time of need. We should know by now and understand that relationships are all about communication. And with that insight, we should be well aware that you are available at all times especially for conversations about everything and anything in prayer. Lord, you are always present because you are the creator of time. For those who don't know, you are the beginning and the end, the creator of all things. There are no limitations that could prevent you from fulfilling your will for us. Lord, you've been a God who has always been active in all of human, throughout and human history, right? And even now, you're in the midst of what we are dealing with now, right? The obvious that will be worldwide concerns of imperialism, right? Lord, I pray that we don't lose sight of the fact that you have the whole world in your hands. Lord, I will be remiss not to mention that you're personable. You are our personal friend. You know all things. You see all things. And therefore, nothing never, ever occurs to you. Therefore, Lord, I pray that we remind 
ourselves and remember these things about you. Lord, open up the eyes of those who don't see this. Open up the ears of those who haven't and can't or won't decide to hear this. Lord, people's hearts, of course, open up the hearts of those who haven't received the truth. And I pray and I ask that you open up people's mind to understand your word, that you hold the only truth, and that your word is public revelational knowledge. We say this, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, before we go into the word for today, I think it's important to talk about geography. You see, in my college days, I remember there was an option of a lab you could take. And I was either for a bachelor's of arts or a bachelor's of science. I also remember that all degrees required you to complete said lab and that's for an associate's degree that's for a bachelor's degree now the lab that i completed was geography now i know some of you might be saying and are really wondering are you going there and i want to say yes we are i want us who are active readers of the bible to always look to learn never be content with surface knowledge always look to expand and grow in your education of god's word Okay. Now, for those who don't know, right, I'm going to educate you a little bit. Right, geography is the study of physical features of the Earth and its atmosphere, and of human activity as it affects and is affected by the distribution of population and resources, land use, and industries. I'll repeat that one more time for people who are writing it down or following along. Geography is the study of physical features of the earth and its atmosphere and of human activities as it affects and is affected by the distribution of populations, resources, land use, and industries. Geography also has five themes location or place, human environment. Interaction, movement, and region. I'll say that one more time. Geography has five themes. Location or place. Human, env human environment. Interaction, movement, and region. Location or place. Human environment. Interaction, movement, and region. Now, the biblical text we are reading today will cover geography. That's the reason why I'm covering it, the basics of it now. Now, here's a personal example to help you think critically. Myself and my brother Daniel live in Brooklyn, New York, and yet we are located near something called the borderline of Queens and Brooklyn. Location specifically would say for us, yeah, we are near the Brooklyn side of the borderline. So here's something interesting, right? When you look at the term borderline, it's usually defined in three ways. One, a medical definition. Another is the standard of pass or fail. And final one is a reference to the landscapes 
basically dealing with location, place, and region. I'll say that one more time. Borderline is usually defined in three ways. One is a medical definition, the other is the standard pass or fail, and the final defini definition is in reference to landscapes basically dealing with location, place, and region. So here are the three definitions I spoke about in regards to borderline. Daniel, would you mind reading them? Definition one, a division between two distinct, often extreme conditions. Definition two, not quite up to what is the usual standard or expectations, caught up between what is accepted and what isn't. Definition three, the boundary line between two pieces of property state boundary, state line, or even boroughs. Now, the personal example I gave you lines up with definition number three. And the text we are going to be reading today lines up with definition number one and definition number three. One more word we must take a look at, and that's segregation. Daniel, would you do the honors? Segregation. The action or state of setting someone or something apart from other people or things or being set apart. Definition 2. The enforced separation of different racial groups in a country, community, or establishment. Alright, cool. Now that we got that out the way, our text for today is going to be, obviously, we're in a Gospel Luke series, and we're looking at chapter 17, verses 11 through 19, and we're going to look at this in the NIV, the New International Version. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go. Show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back. Praising God in a loud voice, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Alright, cool. So I want to unpack this piece by piece. We're going to start at verse 11. Now, what does it say, Daniel? Verse 11. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Alright, so we're going to start right there. First thought that came to my mind when reading this was, why did Jesus decide to travel along the border between Samaria and Galilee? Right? My next thought, what was the importance, or shall I say significance, of doing that? And upon, you know, looking at biblical history and, and understanding travel, right? I came to the, to the conclusion that because of 
you know, my curiosity. I thought the reason why Jesus did this was based upon the idea of traveling during that time or, or for any time that matter. You know, there are many ways or limited amount of options that you have to get to a specific location. Right. So familiar example to many of us who drive or walk would happen to be different. The difference between taking the main road or taking the back roads. Here's another one. Highway. Versus local street. When it comes to walking or biking, we could go up regular streets or take shortcuts right through the park on the one way streets. I'm sure you get the picture now, right? To get to a specific destination, there's numerous amount of ways you can go by car, by bike, or by foot. Jesus, I believe, purposely took that route. And I think it has a lot more to do with exposure and those who are isolated based upon circumstances, which he knew about because he came to earth to deal with many different things. Right, so what are some different things you know Christ came to earth for? Right? He was declared to be the way, the truth, and the life. For those who don't know that, that's the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 6. He came also to fulfill the law. That's in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 17. He came to unite the Jew and Gentile into one nation, which would mean we which would mean he had to destroy the barrier of the dividing wall of hostility. That's in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. Now, obviously, Jesus came and did so much more, right? He did so much more when you go to the end of the Gospel of John, I believe it's chapter 21, verse 25. The writer says that Jesus did so many other things. If any one of them were written down, I suppose that not even the whole world would not have had room for the books that would have been written. I'm going to repeat that one more time. I believe it's in the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verse 25. He says, the writer says, Jesus did so many other things. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that not even the whole world would have room for the books that would, be, would have been written. So, yes, Jesus did a lot of things. When we look at the text for today, Jesus is addressing the third thing I wrote, and that is to unite us, regardless of cultural heritage, health concerns, right? And, and we, can, we can look at this because Isaiah said it, right? We go to Isaiah 53, verse 4 through 5, and, and we're going to look at this in the Amplified Version. What does he say, Daniel? He, Jesus has borne our griefs and he has carried our sorrows and pains. Yet, we ignorantly assume that he was stricken, struck down by God and degraded and humiliated by him. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our wickedness, our sin, our injustice, our wrongdoing. The punishment required for our well-being fell on him. And by his stripes, wounds, we are healed. Yeah. Also, when we look at Matthew, 
Gospel of Matthew chapter 8 verse 17. We look at that in the NLT. It says, this is to fulfill the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah, who said he took up our sicknesses and removed our diseases. He said he took up our sicknesses and removed our diseases. So when we see how he removed the diseases in just a little bit based upon this story, but Jesus had planned to address these issues head on. He was active in fulfilling his mission. When we go back to verse 11, once again, guess what? It's in lockstep with the definition that we stated earlier, definition number three that we mentioned, right? As we proceed to verse to as we proceed to verse 12 through 13, that is where we are introduced to the first definition or borderline. And that's having to do with health. And as a result of the condition created by the boundaries, what does the text say again, Daniel, in verse 12? As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Yeah, so for those who don't know, the he is Jesus for those who don't know, right? We spoke about leprosy before, but there's no harm in going over it again. So what's the definition of leprosy, Daniel? A contagious disease that affects the skin, membranes, and nerves, causing discoloration and lumps on the skin. And in severe cases, disfigurement and deformities. Now, when we think about borders, one must remember the purpose of a border, right? A border is to determine how far government's power reaches. Also, the people within this country's boundaries have to follow its laws and pays taxes. If you move or travel, guess what? You will need to abide by the laws set that area is requested. You will need to know and abide by the law set in that area as well. There is no escape in regulations of rules, right? I just want to get that out there. Now, what's so amazing, right, that I can speak to, the positive side at least, what's so amazing about America and why so many people from other countries want to come here is the freedom to practice their own religion and operate and be comfortable within their own cultural practices. What makes America great is the diversity and with so many different ways of life here in America, you can experience these elements of those cultures. Food is one of the main developments that I've seen that has grown and been embraced over the years. One of the things that I've observed is the growth and the embracement of Americans who order from different restaurants. And I would know because I'm in the middle. Right. I'm the middleman who brings the food to these hungry customers. I've seen the development and the growth of people ordering Indian food. Right. Thai food. And my personal favorite when it comes to Thai food is I like the, the Thai iced tea. Ramen. Right. I know, Daniel, that's your favorite. And that's from Japan. Right. You know, huge growths and embracing of the culture. Right. Now, Italians. Italy has been around for a while. Caribbeans, a lot of people that are from the islands, that's also been around. Ethiopian food is another new thing, right? From the, and, I, and I've experienced and had it as well. And I'm not 
you know, without a doubt, I'm not ignoring some of the negative things that comes to America. I'm not excusing this racist history. We are just focusing on the importance of how food and the diversity in food so many Americans have diversity. In most instances, I remember back in the day, you would have to go to those specific areas to enjoy their food. But now we have those people that come here and now we can go down our block or we can go to specific areas where they're providing that. So, so well, let me just point something out. Real sure. Quick. While I do agree with your point, I also want to just bring to attention that we also live in New York, which is very uh, culturally diverse, especially when it comes to food. So that is just something to keep in mind. Just in case if maybe you're in a different part of America and may not be experiencing that. Just, a, you know. Okay. A little fact. Got you. Well, I guess I was, you know, trying to speak a little bit more to it as an overall thing. That, okay. you know, for the most part, that is one of those things that they have. Even the, we can go into the, the designer of clothes and styles and music and how they, you know, made their mark. And we noticed them for sure. Now, something that is obvious in the text is the men who had leprosy, right, have been isolated, kept out of the city. Now, that's the medical excuse and view. But there's also a cultural and religious view. We get to see that in just a second. As we explore the medical view, the idea is to keep those who are contaminated away from the healthy. Right, keep those who are contaminated away from healthy. You can't mix those two together because if you want to prevent the spread in, in, in the health of the city, you have to make a conscious decision. Right, that's the surface explanation to why they were outed and why I wanted to mention that they were talking to Jesus from a distance because they knew they had something and they didn't want to come any closer in fear of jeopardizing someone else's health. But when we dig deeper, what happens, you know, that we have to consider is, is what do you think happens at a border? Right? There's police patrol. There's the prevention of entering. You have some who are able to make it over and others who don't. So when we look at verse 12, through 13 we see almost like an invisible line that the men aren't willing to cross instead they honor the separation the segregation but that doesn't stop them from shouting out their, their request to jesus christ right that doesn't stop them from having hope for having faith let's look at some scripture to back that up let's look at the passage in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 15, we're going to look at verses 21 to 28. And what we're looking for is we're looking to identify this idea of Jesus first coming to address one specific thing. And yet he has a way of addressing segregation, separation. Right. And we're going to see that in one of these verses. But I'm going to let Daniel read Gospel of Matthew, chapter 15, verse 21 through 28. And look, look closely and listen at what Jesus says. And Jesus went away from there and 
drew to the district of Tyre and Sinai. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I will send only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Yeah, so what we see here is Jesus came to address his own people. And yet he couldn't help but recognize and be impressed by her faith, even though she didn't belong to the Jewish community. Now let's understand that the key is in verse 24. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Let's look at the Gospel of John where there is a mention of other sheep, which are the Gentiles, that Jesus intends to target for future means. So we're looking at the Gospel of John chapter 10. We're going to look at verses 1 through 20, verses 1 through 21. Very true, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out, which he has brought out all his own. He goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very true, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. And all who have come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolves coming, he abandons the sheep and run away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep 
and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is a demon possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Good job. So what we see here is that Jesus is the good shepherd. And as the good shepherd, he takes care of his sheep. Now, the higher hand is not Jesus. The higher hand is the devil, which is why when the sheep are attacked, the devil flees. But the most important portion in this text that I want people to understand is that Jesus is acknowledging other sheep that are not a part of this, this uh, pay pen. But instead, this is something that he hopes to bring together along with those that are in his, in his, in his sheep pen. So what does that mean? He's talking about the Gentiles. And he's also talking about the Jews that he belongs to. Right. And lastly, I'll read this. Paul says this in Ephesians 2.12. So this is all bringing it together. Remember that at that time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to a covenant of the promise without hope and without God in the world. And what I'm speaking to is those men that had leprosy. They weren't just separated because of their illness. They were separated because the illness that they had prevented them from being part of a community that they once belonged to, even though they were half Jew and half Samaritan. We're going to get into that a little bit more soon enough. And when we go to Ephesians chapter 3, we learn that in verses 4 through 6, Paul wants us to know this. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it is now have been revealed by his holy apostle and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is this, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, member of the same body, and partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. So that goes to show us that even though we're not Jews, but we're Gentiles, we're still heirs and made members of the same body and partakers of the same promise. Right. So we got to understand Jesus didn't just, just die for the Jews. He died for the whole world. Right. Those are some verses that support the transition from the old to the new covenant. And that includes the draft of the Gentiles and to be united as one people with the Jews under Christ. 
Now, when we go back to the text for today, Luke 17, 11 through 19, we look at verse 14, and we see that Jesus gives those who had leprosy in an order, which was to show themselves to the priests, which then had me stop and pause, right? And got me thinking, why would Jesus tell them to make their way to the priests? Why not heal them right then and there? And then it hit me. Obedience was necessary in order to receive favor from Jesus is one thing. But Jesus also understood governmental structure, religious structure, and cultural impact. You see, Jesus knew that only the priests were authorized to pronounce them clean from the leprosy and therefore permit them to re-enter society. Get that again. Jesus knew that only the priests, right? Because we're going based upon religious structure, cultural influencement, and governmental importance and how this aligns and how government can play a huge role now. Because remember, one of the reasons why Jesus stood over the tables is because they were mixing Roman government into their religious circle. Government and religion was never meant to be together. Instead, it was supposed to be separated. Okay, that's a huge thing. That's why Jesus didn't approve of it. He didn't like it. It was always supposed to be kept sacred, not together. Now, Jesus knew that the priests were the only ones who can authorize and pronounce those men a leprosy, cleanse, and thereby permitting them to re-enter society. Jesus knew that the priests could give official authorization to open up the border, which is why he sent them on their way to the priest. Jesus knew the process and knew that in order for things to get done, you had to go through the correct and proper channels. So Jesus being the king, Jesus understanding all those things transpiring, and I'm pretty sure he got a good understanding of it because he grew and developed and matured within the society. Right, he was educated, and those are who were supposed to be elders and priests, and he was familiar with the word, but he was also familiar with government and everything that was going on. Right, this is the importance of development and growth. Now, when we go back and we analyze and we go through verses fifteen through nineteen, we see that the that only one of the ten men came back and gave praise to God loudly. Right? He even threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And guess what? He was a Samaritan. More importantly, because he was healed, the segregation was broken on two fronts. The unclean has become made clean. And also Samaritan was allowed to create fellowship with Christ because his faith made him whole his gratitude was appreciated no doubt by Jesus so you have any final thoughts here for us yeah so we have to understand the dynamic of a few things well the bigger picture is this all kinds of cultural governmental religious segregation is broken and done away with all ideologies, even gender biases, must go away. And why? Because if we go to Galatians 
chapter 3, verse 28. What does it say, Daniel? There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So what we see here is that there was separation and segregation based upon illness and condition. But also there was segregation and separation based upon the fact that they were part Jew and part Samaritan. What a lot of people don't understand, even if you go to the story of the Welsh, there, there was a woman who was a Samaritan. And yet Jesus spoke with her. And even those within the city were saved, not just, not just based upon her testimony, but her testimony pointed them in a the direction where they could be saved. And we have to understand that Jesus, without a doubt, removed the condition, right? The condition here was the man who had leprosy. And we have to understand that it isn't a risk anymore. There is no contamination. Instead, Jesus has set them free and welcomed them home, allowed them back into society. And he did it based upon the rules and regulations that they implemented. So he didn't address them and point them out in a way. That made them have to disobey what they already were following. No, he operated within the confinements of what they needed in order for them to be welcomed back. And that was to remove their illness. The interesting thing is. Those men, the 10 leopard, the 10 men who had leprosy. We have to assume to some extent. That the nine of them. Who weren't foreigners were actual Jews. So the question becomes, Jesus is really pointing to the fact that the foreigner had enough gratitude, respect, and honor to go back and thank Jesus, while the other nine men who were set free didn't. And that was the biggest issue Jesus was dealing with, right? Lack of faith, lack of belief. And this is even after they were healed and their illnesses were removed. So what does this tell me? The most important thing that we can get out of this is that the cross is God's word of pity, mercy, and cleanseness for the whole world. The issue is we just have to accept it. We have to accept this gift. And it's all about Jesus being the real king. And he was the real king. Why? Because he was personable. He went down there, interacted with people, especially these men, even though they had an illness. He was active. That took him having to go a different way, a different route down the border to address some of those things. And we saw in Isaiah why he did that. He was fulfilling laws, laws that were written about him prior to him even being born as a child and growing up and maturing until Jesus and starting his ministry at 30. And he was present. Right. Rather than giving instructions from afar, he was right there. And I think upon looking at that story and understanding everything that we talked about today, it's part of our way of getting to trust God and understand that he has a purpose and a plan for all of us. And once we understand that, we can then start to celebrate and appreciate that he's a God who's personable, active. And present. And I think with that, 
that's where our faith can grow and improve. And that's all we want these days. That's all you should want. Anything you want to add, Daniel, before we go into devotion? No, that was well. That's a very nice message. Okay. And the title of this message, for those who are wondering, is Cultural Religious Segregation. Remember, those men were culturally and religiously segregated based upon their illness and removed because there was an issue going on with being part Samaritan and part Jew. And that was all the reason for them to be outed. But know that God is a healer, he's a provider, and he can do anything. And he can even address some of these hard topics. And we're going to continue to do that as we work our way through the Gospels and currently right now to the Gospel of Luke. And with that being said, let's jump right into the devotion for this week. So this is about exercising your faith when it really counts. In Numbers, on chapter 14, verse 9, this is the NIV version, it says, Do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. There's a story about Joshua and Caleb. They were the only two men over 40 years old who were allowed to enter the promised land. After 40 years in the wilderness, these men faced the monumental task of taking the land God had promised to the Israelites. Their faith in God was not all encompasses as if their lives depended on its kind of faith. Why? Because their lives actually did depend on God's promises. If Joshua was to lead Israel into the land, he would have to feel God's presence on a moment-by-moment basis and step out in faith, trusting that God will come through and for him. Joshua's job as the leader of Israel was to encourage the people to attack fortified cities in the face of overwhelming odds. Through 40 years, his confidence in God's strong arm has not wavered and God rewarded his faith. And I think that is a very good example. And if we just understand Joshua's story and his determination and his consistent belief, we can also understand how we can use that to encourage ourselves to not only move in the manner that God wants us to move forward in, but also for us to carry ourselves in a way where We represent God well, and we can believe in him to lead us in our own lives. So I'll say this little prayer for us in hopes that we can take that step forward in our faith and help to fortify it and make it stronger. God, please help me to have faith in the courage of Joshua to believe that you're with me and will keep your promises at all times. I ask that you lead me in my own life and that that courage spreads to others and makes us all stronger i say this in your holy name and i say it in jesus name amen Amen.